All right, good evening. Come on, stand with me tonight. How you doing? Feliz Navidad, Zuao Noel. Yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Uh, thank you for being with us online tonight. We're glad that you've tuned in on this final Wednesday. It sounds so final, doesn't it? Before Christmas. Um, let's open up in prayer. How many have a need tonight? You'll just signify by lifting your hand. If you're online tonight, if you'll comment, we want to pray with you as well. Uh, school got out for most people uh, today or sometime during this week, and so uh, let's pray. I know we have quite a few folks that will be headed out of town uh, over the next couple of weeks, and of course, we want to pray for their safety and that they'll go have a good time and that they come home safely. And, uh, you know, I, I'm excited about if the Lord tarries 2024. I thought we've had a good year here 2023, but I'm really excited about uh, next year. And and uh, anyway, this, let's just open up in prayer. Father, tonight, thank you. Uh, thank you for this. Again, I say it every year, but Lord, just this season. Lord, I thank you for what it means. I thank you uh, that you saw us in our hopeless and helpless estate and you did something about it. You became one of us through the incarnation. And for that, I'm so grateful that uh, you became one of us. And I thank you that we can study your word. And I thank you that we can assemble together and we can, uh, Lord, just engage in this Christmas season with good tidings of great joy to all people. Father, I pray tonight for all the ministries that are taking place on campus. I pray that above all, that you would be lifted high and exalted in each and every one. I pray, Father, that... Uh, you would be with us in our time of study. I pray for those that need a healing touch tonight. God, we ask that you would just reach down and that you would touch and that you would heal. Father, for those that uh, need some encouragement tonight, that you would do that very thing, encourage them. Lord, I pray for those that need a financial miracle and all these other things that are going on. For those that are traveling, Lord, we pray your hand of protection and mercy would rest upon them. And may we have a great time celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, may we have a great time with friends and family, but Lord, uh, may we also take time to pause and worship and celebrate the reason for the season. Uh, Lord, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We continue to pray for revival. Lord, do something in our midst, Lord, as we prepare for the new year. Uh, be with us in our study tonight. Open our hearts. Let us hear what the Spirit says to us. We commit it now to you in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. amen. God bless you. you. may be seated tonight. Uh, go ahead and turn with me to Isaiah 61. Isaiah chapter 61. Uh, in way of announcements, uh, don't forget that Sunday uh, we're doing one service at 10 a.m. It is our Christmas Eve communion service, uh, so make plans to join us. We uh, will be here right about an hour. Uh, there will be no ministries. That will be it. Our children will join us. Uh, this will be a time where we'll uh, celebrate Christ and have communion uh, we will not have service next Wednesday night uh, between, I was going to say Easter, <laughs> between Christmas and the New Year, uh, but on the 31st, we will have normal uh, two services, Sunday school, uh, that nature, and then get back to a normal schedule. Um, I'm Again, be in prayer with me over the next uh, couple of weeks as we uh, look move into the new year and uh you know, I'm just, I, I want to see God do some incredible things. We've had a great couple of years. You know, post-COVID has been very challenging in a lot of ways, very interesting in a lot of ways, but we've seen, we've made good headway 
and uh, we want to continue to do that. Um, so tonight, you know, with this, this being the last Wednesday before Christmas, uh, Sheila and I want to extend a Christmas wish to you. So that's what this is tonight, a Christmas wish to each of you here and those online. Uh, and our text is Isaiah 61, begin verse number 1. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priest of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in the glory you shall boast. And we'll just stop there tonight, and I'll make reference to the next few verses. I didn't realize it was so lengthy <laughs> tonight. That's a great chapter, by the way. May the Lord add his blessings to his word. Again, so, so as I said, tonight is the last Wednesday, and so Sheila and I want to share a wish uh, that we have for you. And, and so let me just start out by saying I've mentioned this a few times. You've probably heard me talk about a song that I attributed to Michael W. Smith, and that song was titled, I Wish You Jesus. Uh, I was wrong. It's not Michael W. Smith. Uh, it is actually Scott Wesley Brown. He's the one who sang that song. Uh, and it, you know, and, and the reason I'm saying that is because I, that song captures the wish without being redundant. I, I don't know that there's any greater wish that I can wish for you than to wish you Jesus. And I, you know, I've used this song before many years ago in one of my teachings, but I think it applies now because Sheila and I truly are privileged to serve as pastors here, have for a long time, and look forward to many great things that God will continue to do in our future. Some of the words of that song, some of the lyrics read like this. Scott Brown, Wesley Brown sang, he said, I could wish you joy and peace to last your whole life long. I could wish you sunshine or a cheerful little song. Or wish you all the happiness that this life could bring, but I wish you Jesus. Because when I wish you Jesus, I wish you everything. And that is our wish to each of you tonight, and I love that. I, I love that that song picks up the reality that in Jesus, we have everything. You know, my, my prayer this year is that we recognize that, because again, there, there are going to be people that won't have near the the, the items under the tree. Some may not even have a tree. Some may not have a place to go or a meal to share with others. But if they have Jesus, and I know it sounds like a cop-out, but that's the reality. That's really what the holiday is all about, Christmas is all about. If we have Jesus, we truly do have everything. It's not in religion. It's not in the struggle to find the good life. It's, it's in Jesus that we have everything. He is where our deepest needs are met. And where our greatest dreams come true. And so through that relationship, one of the things that, 
Christmas is all about is that it reconciles us. We are reconciled to the Father, and the Bible says not only are we reconciled, that relationship is restored. Paul said we are seated in the heavenly places with Christ. So when man sinned in the Garden of Eden, one of the things that happened was it created a rift between God and man. There was a disconnect, if you will. And that went on throughout the Old Testament. Everything that happened in the Old Testament was a foreshadowing of that which is to come. Uh, And when Jesus came and was sacrificed, crucified at Calvary, the veil was torn, the relationship was restored. So we have that, uh, we're reconciled with with, with God the Father, and we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I grew up in a time when I like, anybody here like superheroes? I can tell you when I was a boy, you know, I mean, what, what little boy doesn't run around with a, you know, with a cape on and, you know, pretending like they're Batman or, you know, the old na 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 By the way, that still comes on a few channels. I mean, if you want to kick out of, uh, you know, some old technology, go back and watch some of the old one item 12, one item 12. <laughs> <laughs> some of those old old programs, but I but I grew up in a time when when and and I know Marvel you know movie industry today has really picked up and and on the on the hero thing. But some of my favorites growing up, I like Batman. I was a big I was a big Batman fan. Spider Man, of course. Who wouldn't like Who didn't like Spider Man? You know, going around doing stuff like that. One that you don't hear much about. I like Green Hornet. I love the Green Hornet. Bruce Lee, you know, back in the day, uh, you know, they tried to make that again. They didn't do a very good job, but I, lo- I love the Green Hornet. And, of course, Superman. You know, how many times did you walk through the house and go, <laughs> you know, want to rip, rip that shirt open and <laughs> Superman. You know, what was it? Uh, faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Superman, you know there are plenty, and there are a lot of superheroes. That's just a that's just a few that I enjoyed. Uh, a few of my favorites, and and the thing is, a superhero. One of the things that that a superhero did, and you can even go back to medieval times. You had the white, the knight in shining white armor, or the white knight in shining armor, whatever it is. The thing about a superhero is that they would always swoop in at just the right time. And they'd save the day. That, that was what was so cool about it. You would see a damsel in distress. You know, you, the old, how about the old silent films where you had the, had the lady tied up on the railroad tracks. And, and she's there. And you know she's screaming because her mouth is open. <laughs> you know, and she's moving and she can't do it. She, you can't, it's a silent movie. And at just the right time, whoo, you know, the Lone Ranger or Superman or somebody would come in and, and save the day. That's why we like superheroes. Because they're, they're never early. They're always on time. Always on time. You know, the superheroes that I grew up with had something in common. Didn't matter who they were, but they had something in common, and that was this. They always hid their identity from everybody else. And typically, they hid their identity with a mask. You know, they always, always got a kick out of Superman because I'm thinking, he just wears glasses. <laughs> I mean, he just has glasses on. 
Surely you can. Anyway, but, but they always hid their identity. You know, they didn't want to be discovered. Uh, you know, no one, uh, you know, a superhero would come in and save the day, but nobody could really know them. You know, it's interesting. How many ever met some famous people before? You know, for a lot of people, that's a big deal. I remember, I remember several years ago, I was coming back from, from Cuba. And so the flight, again, because of the restrictions and stuff, the flight was from Havana. We had to stop off in, in Miami to do immigration stuff. And so I'm sitting in the airport in Miami, and I'm looking, and I see this crowd gathered around somebody. And, I, you know, I, I, was, I, I didn't really pay attention, but, you know, I'm waiting on the flight, and I'm looking, and I'm seeing all these people going up to this individual. So I just kind of stopped. And I looked, and lo and behold, it was Pudge Rodriguez, the catcher for the Texas Rangers. And everybody's going up, wanting an autograph and wanting a picture. Well, we get on the plane, I'm seated next to him. And so I'm sitting there, and I strike up this conversation. And I look at him, and I said, because every time somebody would walk past us on the plane, they would stop, and they would want to take a picture, or they want to get uh, an autograph. And so as we, as we get up in the air, I look at him, and I said, I said, does that ever, does that ever get old? And he kind of had that, you know, you know, his little grin that he had. He all, he, he just kind of grinned and he said, sometimes he said, but I really do appreciate the fans, you know. And he was gracious about it. And I said, well, I tell you, I, I tell you what, I'm not going to ask you to sign anything, but let's do a selfie. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, how often do I'm going to sit next to Pedro Rodriguez? But you know, the thing is, but here's the thing: you may have a picture of shaking a hand of somebody, but you don't know them, right? You you don't really know them. Um, you know, the world benefits. You think about a superhero, the world benefits from their activity, but nobody can really know them. You know, they most of the time, I mean, who, who knew that Bruce Wayne was Batman? You know, I mean, you, you, you hid your identity for a reason. Nobody could really get to know them. And that's, that's kind of the way it was with God in the Old Testament. You go back in the Old Testament, we knew him, you know, the Old Testament, you knew God. You had a revelation of God. You knew him. You knew his requirements. You, you saw his activity in the affairs of man. You witnessed his power as he intervened in, in, in the day-to-day situations of, of man. But nobody really knew him. I mean, you go back to the Levitical system and how that it was set up that only one man, one time a year, could actually go into the presence of God. You know, you've heard me say this for years. I've, I've taught on the tabernacle three times because it's so full of, and rich with typology. But, but all they could do was look across the, the, the tent of meetings and see the Shekinah cloud of God's glory as it hovered over the Holy of Holies. That's as close as they could get. They could see it. They might hear the rumblings and the thunders. When Moses goes up to Mount Sinai, and, 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 and they might hear it, but they can't approach him. They don't know him. See, because again, what I said, because of Adam's sin, there was a separation that prevented man from drawing near to God. And I think one of the great miracles of Christmas is that on Christmas Day, God came near. That, that, that's the beauty of Christmas. You know, we can get lost in the, the elf on the shelf or the hog on a log or whatever you might celebrate. Uh, or I like the sign out there. How many saw that? You in a pew, you know, forget the elf on the shelf. How about you in a pew? <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. 
it's beyond that. You know, Christmas, the, one, one of the miracles of Christmas is that God came near. It, it, was, it was like he took the mask off. You know, I, I grew up in an era of, of wrestling. Down south, we called it wrestling, right? Wrestling. I had a cousin who, this was before all the, the major WWE or whatever these things are now, but, you know, back then we had, old, we had the old Deep South Wrestling Alliance. So I had a cousin who was a wrestler in Mississippi, Alabama, that area down there. He traveled the circuit. And uh, it was always funny to see somebody, even now I guess they still have, I don't watch it, but even now they have uh, wrestlers that, have, that are masked. And it was always interesting because anytime they got into a match, they were always trying to do what? Pull the mask off. They wanted to rip the mask off so that people could see who was behind the mask. Well, that's what Christmas actually did. You know, God is concealed. Christ is concealed in the Old Testament. We know him. We know him by the things that are happening, but we don't know him personally. And so Christmas, the incarnation, is where God takes the mask off. He reveals himself fully and completely. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And, and the reason is so that we can know him. You know, God is not aloof. He's not somewhere out in the cosmos that is un, he's, un, he's not unapproachable. He, he wants to be known. He's a personal God, a personal Savior. This is why when, when Philip asked Jesus, remember in John 14, Philip asked Jesus to show, he said, hey, we want to see the Father. Remember what Jesus said to him? He said, Philip, don't you know me? Don't you know me? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, Philip, don't you understand? Anyone who has seen me has done what? Has seen the Father. What is he talking about? God took off the mask. He revealed himself. Now, again, I'm, I'm not reducing God, God to some superhero. That's not what we're doing. You know, God is so much more than a superhero. He doesn't just want us to call him up in times of distress. See, that's the thing about a superhero. Every, every movie, every uh, sitcom of a hero, it's always the same. The plot's always the same. Somebody gets in trouble, somebody hollers or screams for help, gives out some sort of signal. With the Batman, it was the bat signal. They got in trouble, they'd shine that thing, and it was always cloudy. You ever notice that? <laughs> well, the bat signal wouldn't work if it was a, sun, if it was a regular time, right? you got to have the clouds. <laughs> They would beam that sign up there. It was, a, it was a distress call. God wants to be more than that. He wants to be more than someone that we call in times of trouble. Now, thank God that he's there. Thank God that, that he's an ever-present help in our time of trouble, but he wants to be so much more than just somebody that we, we dial up with 911 and say, hey, help. <laughs> he wants to be our constant companion, our father, our Savior, our friend, our God. He wants us to know him, not just have trivial knowledge about him. He wants us to know him personally. And this is made possible through Christmas. It's made possible through his son, Jesus Christ, who came to us on Christmas Day 2,000 years ago. This is why we celebrate Christmas. You know, this Christmas, along with the good things that may come into your life, as I said, my Christmas wish to each of you this, this evening is that we connect with him in a very real way. You know, I, I've said it every Sunday this, in December so far, is that my, my, my heart is gravitated this year to the light. Let us be light bearers 
in the darkness. Let me see him with fresh light, fresh eyes, fresh insight. Because, again, it's old hat, 58 years, been going through the same story, same characters, same everything. And if we're not careful, it becomes an auto, just an auto response. I was talking a minute ago about my favorite song, one of my favorite Christmas songs, Oh Holy Night. I mentioned this Sunday, but there, I'll sit down and I'll, I'll go on YouTube and I'll watch every version that I can come across. And some of them, I literally will sit there and tears streaming down, just so move me. Because I think, man, what a night. It was a holy night. And they didn't know the half of it. When, that, when the angels burst through that night and, and, and declared the good tidings of great joy, they had no idea of what was truly taking place. You know, this, uh, you know all those good things that, that may come into your life, Sheila and I wish that you would connect with him. Our wish for you is that you see him in a very special way, maybe, maybe one that's been a long time coming. Our text tonight is Isaiah 61, and it's an interesting passage because this is the passage that Jesus used in his first public sermon that you can read about in Luke chapter 4. He takes the scroll of Isaiah, and he, and he opens it up to six, chapter 61. He reads it, and he begins to teach. He sat down, and in effect he says, hey, this passage is about me. I'm the fulfillment of the words that are on this page. And so as we unpack this tonight, there are three specific things, uh, wishes that I want to share with you as, again, as I want, I want us to see Jesus in a very special light. Now, it's interesting to me that Luke chapter, so, so when John the Baptist is in prison, everybody remember when he's thrown in jail, Herod had had him locked up, and Jesus, again, had, had started to kind of get a little more famous and and so John's in prison, Jesus' ministry is exploding, and his disciples, John's disciples, uh, you know, come to John, and John says, go and ask him. Remember what, they, what he asked them? Are you the one? Are you the one? Or should we look for another? How did Jesus answer him? He said, you go and tell, go tell John what you have seen and what you have heard, and then he said how the, and then he goes through a list of things that they witnessed. Where did that come from? Isaiah 61. See, there would be things that would happen when the Messiah came. There would be a specific ministry, a fulfillment of Isaiah 61 that you would witness and see. And so that's what he says. You go back and tell John, I'm the fulfillment of Isaiah 61. You see these things, you hear these things, that's all the proof that he needs. And so in this chapter, again, as we unpack it, there are three wishes I want to share with you, and I want us to see Jesus in a fresh light. First of all, the first thing I, uh, about Jesus I want us to see is that Jesus came to bring help to the troubled. He came to bring help to the troubled. Now, here, here, here's an honest confession. I used to think the, the troubled applied only to a certain percentage of the population, okay? Uh, a good percentage, but, but a percentage nonetheless. In other words, in my mind, there were people that, that skated through life and they didn't have hard times. You know, they didn't go through difficulties like, like the rest of us do. Uh, you know, I thought there were people that actually had it all together. Guess what? Not true. 
you know, somehow I bought into this idea that, uh, again, you look at people's surface levels, and again, anybody can portray that they're doing well. Again, we go by and we give the obligatory, oh, I'm fine. I'm okay. And so we, get, we judge by the surface that we see, even though the internal may not match the external. I've learned over the years, again, this is not true. I said, Sunday, I've never found a person to have the right amount of whelmed. Again, we're either, we're either overwhelmed or we're underwhelmed. We're just not whelmed. You know, I'm still looking for that person that has the right whelmed. <laughs> I don't know that they exist, you know. The more I know people and the more experience I have in life is that I see that no one really has it all together. We can put on a good show. We can, we can paint up the facade but it doesn't change anything. When I was an inspector in the city of Irving years ago, uh, my last year there, I was, uh, I, I moved out of the health department into multifamily. Irving was known for just, just tons of multifamily apartment complexes and things like that. So we had a, a pretty aggressive housing code that we had to enforce. And, and I came across a few, few buildings in my, in my tenure there that, they had gone through a renovation, and what was discovered is that they'd come in and they'd painted over rotten wood. And, and, you know, you can paint over rotten wood, and it might look good for a little bit, but pretty soon the rot <laughs> is going to reveal itself. Uh, and, and, again, there's a lot of people that we can paint over the rottenness of our lives and present a very nice picture. But the internals don't match the externals. Again, the more I know people, the more I experience life, nobody has it all together. Everyone, everyone lives troubled lives to an extent. Again, I'm either, I'm either in trouble or I've come out of trouble or I'm about to be in trouble. I know that's encouraging. <laughs> but, but, that's kinda, but that's the truth. Uh, you know, I've either dealt with a problem, I've just finished a problem, or I'm, exp- I'm waiting on a problem. I mean, we, we do. You know, at some time, we, we, we're going to have, we're gonna have trou- troubles. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. But isn't it right? Nobody knows my sorrows. <laughs> we have them. Everyone deals with problems and hurts and regrets and fears. People struggle with sin. Nobody really has it all together, not on their own. Now, listen, I do know some people that live in very, they live very powerful uh, lives, victorious lives. It's not because they're so great, and it's not because they have it all together. It's because they've learned how to lean completely on him. That, that, that's the kicker there. We all have trouble, heartache, disappointments, but they're people that have those things and yet still live victorious lives because they've learned to lean on him. They've learned to trust in him, as Proverbs 3 says, with all of their heart. Even right now, they're, they're people that have troubled hearts. They're either, they're, you're either sitting here tonight, you're watching online, or sometime during the week you're catching this message. Right now, we know people that are struggling. They're struggling with their past. They're struggling with their own inadequacies, uh, struggling with their own sinful habits. Here, here's a good dose of reality, okay, in this Christmas wish. Number one, you're not alone. That's a dose of reality. You're not alone. Number two, number two, Jesus came specifically to heal your hurts 
and to give you victory over your troubles. Listen to what he said in verses 1 and 2. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to do what? To preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Every one of us fall into one, if not all of those categories. Jesus came to preach good news to the poor. Now, I've often said, you've heard me say this before, that the majority of the messages that are preached in Western churches could not be preached in most parts of the world. You know, you, you might challenge that, but I, but, but I would say, you know, in my travels, most of the messages that we hear in Western churches could not be preached elsewhere. You know, our messages tend to center on what God can do and will do for us, you know, kind of a health and wealth type gospel. Listen, I believe in God's prosperity. I believe God's blessings and favor, but not the extent that we hear so much of it today. Biblical, but here's the thing. Biblical faith will work no matter where it's preached. Biblical faith will work. It'll preach everywhere. I remember one of my first visits to Nicaragua back in the, in the, in the 90s, late 90s. One of the projects that we were going to do down there is we were going to join up with a local church there and have this mass, this mass feeding program. And so, again, in my mind, I had this expectation of what it was going to look like, you know, similar to maybe our, we call these pods. When in, in, in FEMA work, what we do with our food distribution, that would be considered a pod, a point of distribution. So in my mind, I had this idea of what was going to, how we were going to feed. I'm thinking we're going to slap, you know, get two pieces of bread, slap some meat in it, put some cheese maybe on it, flap it together and hand it out. That's kind of what I thought we were going to do. I've been in Haiti uh, when I went down to the earthquake response, and we did a feeding. Uh, we did a couple feeding days there. And what we did was we had a, a big old pot of of rice and beans and put in vitamins, vit, vitamins and other stuff, and we served it like that. Well, to my surprise, you know, again in my mind, I'm thinking what's going on. Well, what happened was we pulled in to this massive landfill. I mean, as far as your eye, I mean, it seemed like it stretched for miles, just a, just outside of Managua the capital there, not far from the volcano that erupted back in the 70s. And, and I mean, it's as far as your eye can see, just this massive landfill. And along the edges of the landfill were box houses. People had come out there and they had set up these boxes to live in. And, and some of them were like three or four box homes. They, and I don't mean that in a, in a joking way. They, they actually would have a parent, they would have a child, they, they lived in those boxes, and part of the team that was helping us had gone to a local fish processing plant, and they loaded tons and tons of fish carcasses in the back of the truck. So what happened is the, the fisheries, they'd gone out, they'd caught fish, they brought them back to the processors, they'd sent them through this plant, and they would fillet the fish. They would strip them off the, off the bones, the, and the carcass they would deposit, they would discard. And so this truck, these trucks would go in and they would have these carcasses just dumped on those trucks. And then they brought those trucks to the landfill. So I'm standing there in this landfill. You know, again, in my mind, I'm thinking, how are we, what are we going to do? I mean, we're going to feed people. I didn't understand being there at the dump or the landfill 
to feed people. And all of a sudden, this, these trucks come in, and they back up to a certain location, and then they unload. They dump all of the fish carcasses in a pile at the landfill. Hundreds of people begin to run out of their boxes with anything they could, a receptacle, they, with a trash bag, a paper bag, a bowl that somebody had thrown away, and they would go in and they started scooping up those fish carcasses, things that you and I would just toss out. And I, I'll be honest with you, I was overwhelmed with emotions, and I began to cry. You know, I began to cry at that sight because, I mean, they're, they're, and they're rejoicing and they're thankful. And I asked the missionary, I said, so tell what in the world? He said, well, what they'll do, he said, you know, the fish plant, they'll, they'll come in and they'll just fillet the fish off and they leave a lot of meat on those fish, on the bones. He said, these people will come and they will take it, they will go make fish soup. Not one part of that fish will go unused. He said, they'll pull the meat through, off the ribs and all the, the jaws and the, everything. They'll, they'll, they'll pull every bit of the meat out of that. They'll make soup, all kinds of things with, uh, with those bones. Later that evening, uh, we meet at an assembly and we're preaching the gospel. And you know what? It worked. After seeing these impoverished people in a landfill gleaning fish bones to have something to eat, when the message of Jesus was preached, people were saved, they were healed, they were delivered. They were filled with joy. And here's the thing. It had nothing to do with the level of their poverty because the gospel message works. Jesus said he's been anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. The gospel works for the upper class. It works for the middle class. It works for the low class. And it works for those with no class. It works for the educated the uneducated, and the mentally unstable. God, the gospel message gives hope and it strengthens the listeners. And see, when we talk about wishing Jesus and, and the Christmas wish, discover that he's the one who comes to take the trouble out of our lives. He's the one that comes to give us hope in the hopeless situations. He's the one that comes to take the mess and give us a message to take the test and give us a testimony. I know that's cliche-ish, but that's what he came to do. That's Jesus. I've known people in Western culture whose lives were such a financial mess. Oh, they had resources, but they're poor too. And the thing is, it doesn't matter because they're people that have, they have means, but they're so eyeball in debt, they're tied up, they're obligated. You know what I've, you know what I've discovered? That the fear in those in the landfill is the same as the fear in the millionaire who's, who's mortgaged to the T. The fear is the same, the same kind of depression, the same anxieties. That, that's, that's it. They, they may have six-figure six income, six income coming in, but they got seven going out. And it brings them fear and frustration, and they don't know what to do, and they don't know how to stop the cycle. And, again, I, I understand that. I've been to a place, and you've heard my story. I've been to a place where I didn't know where the next money was going to come from to buy a meal for my family. Been there. But you know what I discovered? He's all I need. Again, sounds like a cliche, but I'm telling you, Jesus came 
to help those in trouble. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He came to help those in the midst of financial struggles. He came to help those who don't know how to help themselves. He came to help those who seem to be at wit's end. He came to help those that are troubled. He came to help the troubled. He came to bind up the brokenhearted. All of us have had broken hearts. Jesus came to mend that. If you've ever had a broken heart, you understand what I'm talking about. I think it was Dallas Holm that used to sing that song that he died of a broken heart for you and for me. Beautiful song, old song, but beautiful. He died of a broken heart. Listen, he came to bind up the, the broken hearts. There, there's not a person here today that, I mean, think about it, that, we, that has not been affected by divorce or the consequences of it, either we individually or as an extended family. You know, we know the hurt of the relationships, we see, we've seen the impact of those who have struggled. We've seen our loved ones that have suffered because of it. We've seen health crises that have come and robbed people of their zest and their zeal for life. We've seen that. Our hearts have been broken. I was in the jail today, and I was talking to one of the guys there, and he asked about my wife. He just said, hey, how's your wife doing? You know, and, and you know, my answer is a canned answer, but she's, she is who she is. You know, and, and I said, she, she's fine. <laughs> I mean, what, what do you say, you know? I've been heartbroken. Somebody asked me about my feelings. I said, I've, I've been brokenhearted. I've carried a broken heart for 12 years, and uh, almost 12 years. God has helped me uh, immensely with that, with that process. You know, I mean, it's, if you've ever had to be a caregiver or you've ever watched a loved one that has suffered, you, you understand what I'm talking about. He came, to, he came to bind that up. He came to heal the brokenhearted. And honestly, I could not function at the level I function at if he had not mended that brokenness. I have a real special relationship. I love my granddaughters. I uh, still wouldn't mind having a, a grandson, but I can't, con- I can't convince any of them. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm, I'm, really, I'm especially close to my number one. And I, that don't mean anything against the others, okay? So don't, I don't play favorites. But Audrey is the oldest. Audrey's 10. They have this little thing. They, they always said, just a pawpaw and his girl. And she loves being with me, and I love being with her. In fact, she said, Pawpaw, I want to go to Alabama college. She said, I want to go to Alabama. She said, would you just move over there and let me stay with you while I go to school? And I'm like, Pawpaw, probably make that work. <laughs> Uh, Sheila had her stroke in January of 2012, so coming up on the 12th year anniversary on January 2nd. As you can imagine, my world instantly changed. I'd been accustomed to my wife, who was my helper. She did things that most people didn't know. She, She never had to be out front. My wife was never that type of person. But she was always behind the scenes, always doing, always serving, always loving, and always taking care of me. And in an instant, that changed. And I'm a tough guy, you know, okay? So, you know, I'm thinking i got to suck it up. And, and I would went into a, probably, probably if I'd gone to somebody, I'd probably been clinically maybe borderline depressed. 
And probably rightly so, right? I mean, that's a, that's a, big, that's a big pill to swallow. And then along comes Audrey in 2013. And the brokenness of my heart from losing my companion, not losing her, but you understand, it's, it's, it's different. There was a brokenness. I went through motion, the motions of doing what I knew I needed to do. I just sucked it up, gave it, gave it the old, you know, just, just did what I knew to do. But when that little girl came along, that heart that was ruptured and hurting just began to be mended. It did something to me. It restored joy. I don't, I don't think I'd ever lost faith in him. I kept doing what I knew to do. I kept serving and preaching and praying and doing all those things I knew to do, trusting him. But there was, a, there, was, there was something missing. And that little girl came along, and it mended my heart. What I'm saying is that's what Jesus came to do. Those who are in trouble, those who are broken, he came to put us back together again. He came to proclaim freedom to those who are, in cap- who are captive. He said to release the prisoners. He came to release those that are bound in darkness. Listen, if there's something in your life that is holding you captive, you know, whether it be addiction or guilt or fear or pride, you know what? Jesus came to free us, get rid of the trouble in our lives. He came to help the trouble. That's us. That's my wish for you. If you're, in, 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 if you're struggling with some area of bondage or stronghold or something like that, my wish for you is that Jesus, who came to help the trouble, will help you see him in a new light. Number two, I've got to hurry. He came to replace the ugliness. How many know life can be ugly? I can remember as a, when, I, when I was in high school, cheerleaders used to have a cheer. U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that. That's just what I remember. <laughs> There's just a lot of ugly in life. <laughs> to any of my, ba- my classmates that are watching, see, I do remember. I was paying attention. <laughs> How many of you uh, enjoy, how many, how many still exchange, I, we do so bad. You know, my, with my life situation, every year I say, you know what, Sheila, we're going to get a picture made and we're going to send out Christmas cards to everybody, you know, just because we do, we love you and we want you to have the best Christmas. And you know what? It never happens. I want to and I try to, but I, I appreciate people. We get cards and by the way, thank you for the cards and stuff. And, and have you ever, some of the traditional Christmas cards, they're beautiful. Oh, my goodness. You know, some of the Thomas Kincaid pictures, I mean, you, you see the paintings on that, and, I mean, you just, like, wow, there's something about a Christmas card. Imagine uh, some of those can touch your emotions. I mean, you're sitting there looking at a, a Christmas card. You see this snow-covered landscape, and there's a cozy cottage that's nestled up against the woods, and, 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 and through this uh, yellow pane window. It's actually, you know, a, a lighted window pane. You see the a decorated Christmas tree, and then there's a chimney on top, and you you see the you see the smoke coming out. So you know there's a fire bur- burning in the fireplace, and there's people nestled in that warm. It just it looks like you could crawl in it. It looks so nice and so inviting. Are the 
Christmas carolers that are standing on the doorstep under the moonlight with snow cascading down from the clouds and they're singing joy to the world, the Lord is coming. You can almost, you can almost hear the soprano section. <laughs> and you can feel it. It does something to your emotions. But here's the problem with that. We don't live in that world, do we? You know, I used to think about Hallmark movies. You know, they paint these wonderful pictures. And, you know, like I said, next year, Christmas, I mean, the Christmas present this year, it, sorry, it's, it's uh, my car warranty. Uh, no, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> anyway, so so the, our Christmas present from Hallmark is next year they get a new plot. You know, they're going to have a new storyline. But anyway, we don't live in that world, do we? The world we've created, uh, again, the one that, not the one we create on canvas, but the world we've created, it's full of ugliness, full of pain, full of heartaches and disappointments. It's full of failures and regrets. And, and it's, it's a world that we can't escape on our own. See, that's the, that's the problem today is that people are lost in darkness. That's what the Bible said, those who dwell in darkness. There are people all around us. Paul said that we're dead in our, what? In our trespasses and sin. We're, we're, we're lost totally and completely. But here's what Jesus came to do on that first Christmas. He came, he came to turn the ugly into something beautiful. Verse number two says, he came to, number, number verse 2 and 3, comfort all who mourn, provide for those who grieve in Zion, bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. That's, what he came, that's another thing he came to do. Grab hold of that. Grab hold of that truth. Maybe right now all you can see are ashes. But here's the truth. There is a crown of beauty that's waiting for you. Maybe right now all you feel is a sense of mourning or a sense of loss. But Isaiah said that the Messiah would come. He would bring the oil of gladness. So wait for that to be poured out upon you. You might be mourning and grieving right now, but there's waiting for you the oil of gladness. And right now maybe you're overcome with the spirit of despair, but God is waiting to clothe us with a garment of praise for that spirit of heaviness. Well, pastor, it just doesn't feel like praise in my heart. Well, you know what? Thank God it's not about how you feel. It's not about how we feel. You know, I don't praise God based on how I feel because if I did that half the time, my hands never go up half-mast. <laughs> we praise God by telling him how good he is. I, I love the song, He's a Good, Good Father. That's who you are, and I'm loved by you. That's who I am. See, we don't have to wait to some time in the future for the garment of praise. We can have it right now. We, it, it's not something we have to wait on. I love what David wrote in Psalm 40. It says, he lifted me out of the, the miry pit or the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. And then he says in verse 3, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Not sometime in the distant future, but right now it's available. I can exchange the, 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 I can receive the oil of gladness for that, 
for the, the, the beauty for ashes, the oil of gladness for the spirit of heaviness. I can take off the, the despair, put on the garment of praise for that spirit of heaviness. I can have it right now. I can put a new song in my mouth. It's not a gloom and despair and agony song. It's a song of praise and adoration unto him because that's what he came to do. That's what he came to do. He gives us strength to start over. He gives us the ability to get back up when we lost, when, when we've lost. Verse number four says, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. What does it mean? It means God can restore those things that you thought were destroyed. Those things broken down and destroyed, he can renew, he can rebuild and restore. Maybe there are things in your life this Christmas season that you thought were destroyed forever. Maybe there are places of your life that you thought were devastated. No matter how much you've suffered, no matter how much disappointment you've experienced in life, God can help you rebuild. He can remove the ugly from our life. I love this, verse 7. I don't have time. I've got to hurry. But verse 7, he says, instead of their shame, I love this verse. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance so, that, so they will inherit a double portion in the land and everlasting joy will be theirs. I like that. God says, you know what? I'll take those things that were meant to shame you. People said, you're no good. You're no good, baby. You're no good. I'll take that, and you'll not be shamed anymore because I'll rebuild, renew, and restore you. One of the things that really motivated me early on in ministry here was there was a, of the 30 people that were here that our first time here in, uh, 30 years ago was a few older, older ladies that would always come up to me and say, young man, Zelma Lackey was one of those who would always say, God promised to restore everything that the palmer worm, the canker worm, and the caterpillar has stolen. And the glory of the latter will be greater than that of the former. And, that's, and they preached that to me for, I don't know, a long time. Every Sunday, four or five ladies, Olga Wright, Zena Eubanks, Dorsley Williams, Emma Matthews, they would always say, young man, God promised. God promised. God promised. And you know what? He did it. He did it. Most of those people live to see a resurrection in this body. Most of them got to see life again. That first Sunday, this section over here probably from about this middle beam here all the way over, most of the lights did not work. We had five sections of orange pews. No middle aisle. We had orange shag carpet. We had a big old monstrosity of a pulpit right here that weighed about 900 pounds. Had a piano that sat right here. Actually, it's out in the foyer. <laughs> Sat right here and had an organ right down here. And a Leslie speaker somewhere back over here. Right here we had a banister that ran, ran right across here. And then we had risers back here. On a typical Sunday, you could take a 12-gauge shotgun, shoot scatter load across the audience and not hit anybody. But these ladies kept saying, young man, God promised. God promised. 
And most of them live to see it. Most of them live to see it. God will replace shame and disgrace with a double portion of everlasting joy. Lastly, and i got to close. Jesus, another wish is, Jesus, he didn't come just on a temporary basis. He came to make it last. You know, this storybook that we try, try to create for ourselves, it never lasts. Never lasts. Pretty soon the, the colors fade, the pages turn yellow, the binding cracks. Our storybook is shown to be what it really is. So Jesus wants to do more than paint the surface of our lives. He wants to change us from the inside out. Verse 8, he says, in my faithfulness, I will reward them. For what? For being faithful, devoted followers. Verse 8 says, and make an everlasting covenant with them. He's saying, in effect, listen, this is, this is forever. This is forever. You know, we live right now in the nasty now and now, but you and I have a promise of eternity there. And how long is eternity? It's forever and ever 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 and amen. He said, I didn't come just to give you a temporary happiness. See, that's the problem with the vices of the world. Whatever that vice is, drugs, alcohol, relationships, things like that, they're a temporary Band-Aid that lasts that long. When the high goes, when the joy goes, it's over. And you've got to find something else to fill it. But when you do what the psalmist says, says, taste and see that the Lord is good, when you find that he's the fulfillment of everything that you're looking for, you stop looking because you're satisfied. He said, I'll make an everlasting covenant with you. If you'll be devoted to me and you'll follow me, the deepest desires and dreams of your heart I'll grant. We'll be together. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. I love Jeremiah 31 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. I will build you up again, and you will be rebuilt. God said, I'll do that. See, that's what Christmas is all about. Jesus came into the world to change our lives and to make it last. That's our Christmas wish, is that God will help you in your trouble and take out the ugliness and remind you that He's not just a temporary solution. He's a permanent life. God's covenant is permanent. Verse 9, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring this in for a landing. It says, all who see them will acknowledge that they are a people that the Lord has blessed. He said, you know what? When you tap into this relationship, this John 10.10 10 becomes a reality. The thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy he said, but I'm coming that you might have life and have it in all of its fullness. See, when I, so what does that mean? It means the abundance that, I, that we live comes from him, and people look at us and say, you know what, there's, there's, there's got to be. How, how do you do that? How are you joyful amidst mis misery? How, how do you do that? It's the favor of God. It's the favor of God. He said, they're going to see you. I'm going to, God wants to reveal his glory to all the earth, and that means he wants to reveal his glory in our lives. And so we become a witness to everybody else. Look what the Lord has done. 
Listen, I close tonight. I, there's more I could say, but I need to close. I, I keep telling you that. I've got to close. I could wish you joy and peace to last your whole life long. I could wish you happiness and success and peace and prosperity. But on, those, on their own, those things really aren't built to stay. So it's much better tonight that I wish you Jesus. Because when I wish you Jesus, I wish you life beyond your greatest imagination. When I wish you Jesus, I wish you everything. That is Sheila and I's Christmas wish to you and to each one of you here tonight is that God will enrich your lives in such a way that you see him with a new freshness and a new zeal and a new love. As I get older, my prayer is, God, I don't want to sour on the vine. I don't want to sour on the vine. Listen, I, I'm coming to grips with the reality, and, and I say it jokingly, but, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of miles in these, <laughs> in these 58 years of my life. I've, done, I've been privileged, blessed, maybe sometimes stupid. I've done a lot of stuff that, that uh, God's preserved me through and kept me through. A lot of miles. I'm really getting to that place where I'm recognizing my own mortality. And, and I know I joke about it because there are folks here that are, I mean, when I was born, you were old then. I mean, I'm sorry, I said that out loud. <laughs> I didn't mean it quite like that. <laughs> I didn't mean it quite like that. But <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm facing, you know, there are things that I want to do that I can't do anymore. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, I'm like, why can't I do that? You know, and, and it's, and I'm not decrepit. That's not what I mean, but I'm just facing that reality. So my prayer is, Lord, outwardly I might be wasting away, but let me be renewed on the inside. Let me see you. Let me worship you. Let me experience you with freshness every single day of my life until you call me home. I uh, have done a lot of running this week, just, you know, time of the year, got end of the year commitments and committee meetings and board meetings and things like that. And so I've just been running a lot. And today, this afternoon, I, I had things this morning and came in and got my message finished up for tonight. And I'm sitting there and thinking, man, I just, I'm tired. So I said, you know what, I'm going to go home for a little bit. So I went home, laid down on the couch for a minute, just going to, lay there, just stretch out a little bit. 45 minutes later, I woke up. I'm like, what in the world happened? <laughs> and I found me a, I found a, you know what? Naps are not bad. They're not bad at all. <laughs> I want you to stand with me tonight. <laughs> I have to put me a new piece of furniture in the office, a pull-out bed. <laughs> Again, Sheila and I do, I mean, we'll, we'll have Christmas service on, uh, Eve service on Sunday, but if I don't see you, we do wish you Jesus this Christmas. Let's close in prayer if you're here tonight, and I'm just going to ask you this, same thing online. If you're here tonight, say, you know what, Pastor, I want to discover him in a new way. You know, you talk about, I've heard the story a long time, just like you. I, I want it to be fresh to me. I want my relationship with him to be fresh. I don't want it to be stale and old. I just want every, the old song, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. That's a possibility. That's a possibility. And that's you. Say, just lift your hands. Say, Pastor, I want to I be like that. I want him to be fresh to me every day. 
of my life. Father, tonight, thank you. Thank you that the mask was taken off. Lord, all through the Old Testament, we knew about you. We knew you through others, through your activity, but we didn't really know you. But on that first Christmas night, the mask came off, and the Word became flesh and came to do for us what we could not do ourselves. You made yourself known. Now, Father, help us to know you. Help us to know this Christmas you in a very fresh and exciting way. Every hand that went up in the building, those online tonight, Lord, help us, Lord, to have fresh eyes to see again and fresh ears to hear the message. Lord, even if it's the hundredth time that we've heard it, Lord, let us hear it as it were the first time. Fill our hearts, our lives with joy and peace and hope. And Lord, not just fill our lives, but in turn help us to be the carriers of that light that shines to those around us. Lord, I bless each person here and each one online. Give us a great Christmas. Lord, as we anticipate a wonderful 2024, should you tarry, Lord, we're believing for miracles. We're believing for increase. Lord, we're believing for a greater impact in our community and around. Lord, we just want to see you in a new way. Go with us tonight. Give us a great night. Should you tarry, bring us on Sunday at 10 for our Christmas Eve communion service as we celebrate your birth, Lord. Lord, for those that are traveling, your hand of mercy and protection upon them. Lord, help us to celebrate the reason for the season. Bring us again at the next appointed time, ready to worship you in spirit and in truth. Go with us now, I pray in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Thank you for being with us online. Look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you, and I love you very much. Chains shall he